right, are you ready for a little bit of the word today? All right, go with me to Genesis chapter 6. Genesis chapter 6. I'm going to pull from this very familiar story to us today. Um, it's something that uh, we've, um, most of us are pretty familiar with in here. I know we may have some folks that may not be very familiarized with it, maybe some people online that are watching that are not familiar with the story. But in Genesis chapter 6 is when God was dealing with Noah about the flood of the earth. And uh, we're, we're in this series called Being Faithful in a Failing Culture. And uh, so I want to pick up some points and highlights out of this and kind of just push us in the direction where we need to be today. I don't believe there's no such thing as an off Sunday. I don't believe there's no such thing as a down Sunday or just let's get through if we can kind of Sunday. I've never approached the pulpit thinking, well, let's just get through today. I believe every time we gather, God's going to do something. Every time we show up, God's going to move. I just believe that. I've always believed that. I don't try to just fake it till I make it. I just believe when we get up in here together, we can stir some things up. Amen? So let's go to Genesis, uh, Genesis chapter 6, verse number 5. Let me just, I was going to skip around a little bit, but let me go to verse number 5. Genesis 6, verse number 5. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was continually, uh, only evil continually. It was the intent of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth and he was grieved in his heart. And the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, from man to animals, from creepy things into the birds of the sky, for I am sorry that I have made them. Verse number 8, but Noah found favor. Man, that's a shouting verse right there. One translation says, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Now these are the records of the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man. He was blameless in his time. Same word for generation. He was blameless in his generation. And Noah walked with God. And then it goes on to say, And Noah became the father of Mo, Larry, and Curly. <laughs> My mind just, I don't know. Every time I read that, I think of Mo, Larry, and Curly. I don't know why I do that. It's just crazy. Shem, uh, Shem Ham, and Japheth. Now the earth was corrupt in the sight of God, and the earth was filled with violence, same word for lawlessness. And God looked on the earth, and behold, watch this now, and the earth was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way upon the earth. Then God said to Noah that the end of flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. And behold, I am about to destroy them with the earth. Make for yourself an ark of gopher wood, and you shall make the ark with rooms, and you shall cover it inside and out with pitch. Verse number 15. Now it shall, and this is how you shall make it, or this is how you shall build it. The length of the ark is 300 cubits, which is about 450 feet long. 50 cubits, which is about, about, about 75 feet. And then its height, 30 cubits, which is about 45 feet. He said, that's how, that's how you're going to build it. Look with me in verse number uh, 17. And behold, I am bringing the flood of water upon the earth to destroy all flesh in which is the breath of life from under heaven. Everything that is on the earth shall perish. 
but I will establish my covenant with you. And you shall enter the ark, you and your sons and your wife and, and your sons' wives and your sons and your wives with you, your son, your wife, all, all your family. Let's just put it that way. All your family gonna get on board. All your family is gonna go there. Now look with me in chapter seven, chapter seven, verse number one. Then the Lord said to Noah, Enter the ark, you and your household, for you alone I have seen to be righteous before me in this time, or literally in this generation. In other words, get on board, get on board with what you have built. Take what you have built and get your family on board with you. Make sure that you don't leave your family behind. What Noah built, what Noah built became a place of deliverance. It became a place of salvation. It literally was a place of breakthrough and legacy for his family. Now, now, real quick, just so that I can tie it together, maybe, if we get the time, go with me to Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 11. I got to get to Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 11, verse number I think I'm going to go to verse number, I mean, I was going to read a couple verses, but let me just go to verse number 7. Hebrews eleven seven. And by faith Noah, being warned by God about things not yet seen, in reverence or in fear, holy fear, prepared or built an ark for the salvation of his household. Notice what he built saved his family. What you're building in this life is for your family. What you're building with your life is for your family. Which he condemned the world and became the heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. So we're talking about being faithful in a failing culture. But I put a subtitle to this this morning and I want to call it the risk takers. Well, you just high-five about three people and tell them you're sitting next to a risk taker. I just want you to know that today. Come on, tell them you're just sitting next to a risk taker in this house today. Come on, who's going to jump up here in faith with me this morning? Come on, somebody shout, I am a risk taker. I am a risk taker. I am a risk taker. Let me pray for you. Father, this morning, we thank you for what you're going to do in this place. Holy Spirit, we give you all the praise and the glory and and the honor. Thank you today, Lord, for touching hearts, touching lives. Thank you for those that are watching online or by way of radio. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for what you're going to do in their homes and in their lives. And, Lord, we just give you praise. Holy Spirit, you're the preacher. You're the teacher. You're the revelator. You're the revealer. You're the communicator of truth today. Let truth prevail over sickness. Let truth prevail over lies. Let truth prevail over disease. Let truth prevail over every tactic of the enemy. And, Father, we give you all the praise and the glory for it. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody together said amen, amen, Amen and amen. God bless you this morning. You can be seated. Hallelujah. 
In our text this morning, we see where Noah finds himself living in what has become now in the earth a very dark place. Noah and his family are living in a very dark place, and they're living literally in some very difficult days. The entire earth, as we know it in Scripture at that particular time, the entire earth had become full of sin. It was evil, and the entire earth, God even said it in Genesis, we read it, the entire earth had been corrupted. The culture of the earth in that particular time had become so vile and so godless and evil to the point that God literally put a sentence on the earth with an expiration date. We didn't read it, but in Genesis chapter 6, verse number 3, just a few verses before we started this morning, God said, my spirit will not always strive with man because the earth is so wicked. And so God said, I'm going to remove myself and I'm going to bring judgment to the corruption that is going on in the earth. In fact, God said it and we read it. He said, the heart and the imagination of mankind was so wicked that no good could be found anywhere. I mean, that's a pretty bad place when you can't find no good anywhere. When the earth was so wicked, so corrupt, and so vile in its, in, in its mannerism that God said there is no good anywhere in the earth. That means that, that, that there was not one aspect of man's nature that had not been corrupted by sin. There was, there was, there was no order, and there was widespread corruption because sin had infiltrated, infiltrated every being of every man's soul so that the earth became so vile and so wicked, not because God created it that way, but because man began to foster an environment that released the ugliness of the world that's in it. I'm trying to get somewhere today. When, 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 when there was this 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 detachment from the things of God. How I many know that man left to himself can be ugly? Some of y'all don't believe that. I want to try that again. I got three amens. Man left to himself can be really ugly. I know you think you're good and you glow in the dark, but you let God separate himself from you or you separate yourself from God and you may be a nice person, but there's ugliness in there. Ugliness. And so there was widespread wickedness, which literally became the ruin of human society. I'm going somewhere, so just hang out with me for a moment. If your conscience has been seared, if your conscience is gone, and there is no more fear of God, when you no longer have a reverence towards the things of God, and that's what Hebrew said, Noah built an ark, an ark in holy reverence, in fear of God. One of the things that's pressing in on this generation is that we lost our fear towards a holy God. When you no longer fear the goodness and the greatness and the majesty and the holiness of God, then man becomes corrupt in his nature, and the next thing you know, everything that he is a part of is corrupted. The whole earth had been filled with violence. The whole earth was in lawlessness. The whole earth was corrupted. 
because man was corrupted in his heart. When your conscience had become seared and you no longer, I feel like I need to push on this for a moment. When there's no longer a reverence towards God. When you think you can make it without him. When you think you can get along by yourself without God. And I know I'm not talking to the world. I know I'm talking to the church. I understand my audience. But ladies and gentlemen, if we're not careful, the world in which we live can be so enticing that if we're not careful, we begin to drift just a little bit to the right or just a little bit to the left. And the next thing you know, we get so far removed from the reverence and the holiness of God that we think we're doing okay because there's not immediate judgment. There's not immediate consequences. But what you are doing is is you're just coasting in idleness And it won't be long before every decision that you're making apart from God begins to catch up with your life. And here you have in this this, this storyline, we have Noah living in the midst of all this corruption. And and, and when when, when human nature is is left to itself, if you don't believe me, just look at Washington. When, when, When human nature is left to itself, there's nothing but infighting. There's nothing but devouring one another. There's nothing but, 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 but just being critical and judgmental and, and casting all kind of shade and, uh, and, and shame on people. That's the way the earth was. And here, here's how Jesus put it. Let me just get to where I'm going. Jesus said in Matthew 24, this will be on the screen for you guys in the back. Work with me. Matthew 24, 37, Jesus said, this is before the coming of the Lord. Jesus said, for, for, for the coming of the Son of Man will be just like the days of Noah. That's what Jesus said. He said, for in those days before the flood, they were eating and they were drinking and they were marrying and they were giving in marriage until the day Noah entered the ark. And they did not understand until the flood came and took them all away. So will it will be, or so will the coming of the Son of Man be? Hmm. As it was in the days of Noah, that's the way it's going to be before Jesus makes his second return. In other words, the conditions of the world before the coming of Jesus will be like the conditions of the world before the flood. So what was going on in the flood... Before the judgment of God came, Jesus said, that's the way it's going to be before I come. So what was going on in the days of Noah, it's going to be going on in your day. Now, now just I, I, here's a few things just to let you know we're not just randomly picking stuff. The, the, in, in Noah's day, in Genesis chapter 6, it talks about there was an exploding population. That was one of the signs. It was an exploding population. In other words, in our day, in the last two decades, we have jumped from like three point something billion people to almost nine billion people, eight billion people. Almost two billion people on the planet right now in just 20 years because there's an explosion of populations. In the days of Noah in Genesis 6, chapter 2, there was sexual perversion. Tell me that ain't going on in our day. Huh? It's going on in our day. Do you know there are more people that are, that are addicted to internet porn 
There was a day if you wanted to get porn, you had to go to a backstreet movie somewhere, or you had to go into a, uh, uh, what's the places where you rent the movies? Y'all act like y'all don't know. Where where you had to go rent, and they'd take you behind the curtain or behind the wall, and they had all the dirty movies back there. You ain't got to say, man, because I know they're sitting with you. (laughs) But you, 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 you know, remember that? It, you know, it's all that. It, and, and, but now, you got it on your cell phone. Now it never leaves your hand, and it never leaves your eyes. And, and to make, matter, make it worse, now it's in your television. And it's not just on the bad shows. It's in your commercials. Sexual perversion everywhere. As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in your day. Not only has there been an exploding of population, sexual perversion, but in Genesis chapter 6, verse number 2, there was a whole uh, influence of demonic activity. Ooh, I'm just trying to tell you the devil ain't hiding nothing no more. There was, there was a day when stuff was kept behind closed doors and it was secret, but not anymore. Hell is coming out full throttle. Hell is coming out. I'm telling the portals of hell have been opened up over this generation, and he is coming with vengeance. He is coming with the focus, and he is coming to steal, kill, and destroy. And he is coming with every ounce of energy and authority that he has in the underworld to take what you have. Pastor Marcus, somebody said, if we're not careful, the church is sleeping while hell is just, while hell is running roughshod over people's lives. So you had the exploding population, you had sexual perversion, you had demonic activity, and, and, and here's one in Genesis 6, 5, you had constant evil that was in the heart of man. God said there's constantly evil in the heart of man and no good could be found anywhere. Not only was there constant evil in the heart of man, but in Genesis chapter 6, verse number 11, there was widespread corruption and violence. Mm. Tell me that don't describe our day. I'm not saying Jesus is coming back today. I'm not saying he's coming back tomorrow. I'm not saying he's coming back next week. Nobody knows the time or the day, the hour when the Son of Man will return. I'm just giving you the warning signs that Noah and his generation had. We're living in a day where all this stuff has increased. And, and, and if we're not careful with the corruption and the violence, even the very elect, the Bible says even the very elect can be deceived. Because just because you see it on TV, just because you read it on your phone, or just because you hear it on the news, does not mean it's true. Do you know what's going on right now? I, I know that you won't hear this on mainstream media, but, but Hungarian-born national... George Soros, maybe you've heard that name because it got brought up a little bit during the elections. George Soros have spent, he has spent, it's documented, it's not, you can look it up, you can research it. He has spent $40 million in the last two years hiring prosecutors in certain districts of America in the most well-populated cities of America and putting those prosecutors in place so nobody that's doing crime will have to do time. He is paying them. I mean, this is documented. This is not like, oh, let's just see what happened. No, this is well-documented stuff. And, and every city, 
There's 75 of them to, to the last date, the count that we had. There's 75 prosecutors that are inhabiting the most populated cities in America right now. And in those most populated cities where these prosecutors have anchored themselves through the funding of George Soros that helped them get elected, in those places, in those cities, crime has gone up 40%. Violent assault crimes have gone up 33%. We're living in a day of widespread violence. We're living in a day of widespread corruption. And just, just so you'll know how corrupt the earth is, you remember, remember uh, Upstein, what's his name? Uh, Jeffrey Upstein, you know, the guy that was trafficking kids and having sex with kids. You remember his girlfriend, Maxine, whatever her name is. Remember all that? How come we can't even produce a list of names of all the people that they've been engaged with? It's because it's corruption. Because evil covers corruption. And, 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 and I get that from the world. I expect the world to be corrupted. But the problem is, is that the church don't have no discernment. The church don't have the ability to see that. And then we just kind of coasting through life when Pastor Mark says, it is time to fight. It is time to understand that the enemy is coming for your children and your children's children. And he's coming. He's coming. He's coming. And just as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in this generation. Okay, so in the days of Noah, y'all doing all right? I preached my shortest sermon last week, so y'all missed it if you weren't here. You won't get that one again. A 10-minute sermon. Oh, my God. I don't even know how that, how do you do that? In the days of Noah, the people had become so comprehensively corrupt that evil was manufacturing not only at the highest level, but at an unstoppable level. Because when, when, when man began to remove himself from God, the only thing that was left in the earth was man. To the point that God, in, in Noah's day, to the point that God was no longer going to shield them from the impending judgment that was to come. When, let me put it to you this way. When wickedness becomes generalized, universal ruin is not far off. And what we are doing in our culture, in our society, is we are generalizing wickedness. Isaiah prophesied, he said, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. And ladies and gentlemen, that's the culture that we're living in. We're living in a culture that wants to call right wrong and wrong right. And so we begin, even the most basic things that we have always grew up and understood, like being born as a boy or being born as a girl. And, and we have so corrupted the, 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 the mentality of a generation that now they can pick and choose what they want to be. And that's not a slant against those that are struggling with transgenderism or homosexuality. It's not a slant against them because all sin is rooted in false identity. There's much love for that group of people as there is for the alcoholic. Okay? So, but, but, but what happens is when, when you have a society that begins to build around the wrong and call the wrong okay... 
Next thing you know, it gets bred into a generation. Then it gets bred into another generation. Now you have an unstoppable flow of wrong thinking and misplaced ideologies to the point now sin, corruption, wickedness becomes acceptable. And just because, it's, it's, it, just because it has become acceptable in society, don't make it right in the eyes of God. I'm preaching a whole lot better than you're shouting right now, but I'm going to keep working on it. I'm just trying, because I'm going to be responsible for this house right here. And I wonder, I, when I get to heaven, I want to say, at least you told them the truth. At least you, at least you laid it out there. Okay, okay. So, so, so in, in, in the midst, here, here, now here's where we're going to change gears. Push on somebody and tell them risk takers are coming. I, I'm just trying to let you know how bad it got, all right? But in the midst of the bad, in the midst of the corruption, in the midst of all this lawlessness, in the midst of all this widespread evil, where even God said there's no good to be found anywhere, no good anywhere, the Bible says that Noah found grace, found favor in the eyes of the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. In the midst of all the stuff that was wrong, God still had somebody that could live in the midst of widespread corruption and not bend his knee, not bow his life to a culture that is anti-God. Now watch this. Noah didn't earn grace. He found it. Hmm. I mean, no, you can't earn the goodness of God, you have to receive it. No one can earn the favor of God. No one, I mean, I'm going to use the word grace instead of the word favor. It's the same word in that particular context. It's interchangeable. No one can earn the grace of God, but we all have access to it. Look with me in this scripture right here, just a little... Romans 5.20, Romans 5.20, it says, The law came in so that the transgressions or the sin would increase. But where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So here's what, it can't get so bad that God can't be so good. Hallelujah. Let me break it down. Your life cannot be so bad where God cannot be so good to you. So that, verse number 21, as sin reigned in death, even so grace would reign through righteousness to eternal life, watch, through Jesus Christ our Lord. You can't be righteous without Christ. You can't be righteous apart from him. The only, the the, the law, let me just, a little bit of theological stuff here and then we're going to preach, all right? The, The law only increases our transgressions. But the beauty of the gospel is that where sin is multiplied, grace is multiplied. Do you know right now, There's more love. God has more love for this city. God has more love for this nation. God has more love for this world than what the devil could ever put in it. 
I've heard preachers say literally all my life, boy, this is a hard city. This is a hard place. I want to say, well, do your job. Do your job. Change it. (laughs) That's what the body of Christ is for. We're supposed to come in like light. We're supposed to come in like leaven. We're supposed to affect every, this is a hard job. Well, change it. I'm losing all my amens, but I don't want to keep working. So, 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 so the law increased our transgressions, but grace also increased. So the purpose of the law, watch this now. The purpose of the law was to make sin obvious, which makes our redemption more evident. The law shows us how ugly we are. But grace shows us how good he is. This will be on the screen. The grace of God is not just a doctrine. It's a person. Jesus Christ. That's the grace of God. The grace of God is not just a doctrine, although there there is doctrinal things tied or attached to it. But grace is a person. And Noah found grace in the eyes of God. There was more sin in Noah's day than we can comprehend in our day. And the more we see sin as a violation of God's perfect law, the more you'll stand in awe of God's grace toward us. See, when I sin, it's not just a mark on somebody or some over here or me. It's a mark against God. Because what you're saying is, God, I can't handle, I can handle this without you. Rather than sin pointing to your need for God, if we're not careful, we think we can handle it without him. Come on, Noah's generation. That's what happened. People began to just drift. They just drift. And it doesn't really apply to nobody in here today, but how, how strong do you think you can be missing four or five church services? How strong do you think you can really be when you don't participate in, 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 in community worship? Because if your worship is not strong in here, I promise you it ain't strong at home. Because this should be an overflow of what's going on at the house. Yeah. So, 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 so my life is a reflection. My outwardness is a reflection of what's going on internally. And I don't know about you, maybe it's easier for you, but boy, every day I have to work out my salvation. <laughs> now, I know some of y'all glow in the dark and you're really holy, and I know I get that, I get that. I'm not there yet. Every day I have to look at myself and say, you're going to act right. Every day I have to tell myself, you can't say that. You don't know how many times I want to put something on Facebook. Somebody said, Jesus made the lame to walk. Facebook made the dumb to talk. <laughs> and boy, sometimes you just want to fire back. I mean, you're just like, like, have you lost your mind? You just got, 
I know I'm the only one that's working out my salvation daily. I get it. Y'all are on vacation and you're sanctified and holy. I got it. But at the end of the day, I'm working on something. And at the end of the day, I have to remind myself. That's why I do prayer walks. And somebody said, why do you walk in, why do, why do you walk in prayer? Because it helps me stay awake. <laughs> so I do prayer walks. I, I start prayer walking about 5 o'clock in the morning every day, every day, every day. 5 o'clock in the morning, I do my prayer walks. And, 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 and that's, that's, that's when I'm reminding myself. Because let me put it to you this way. If I, if I drift from God's word, if I just take a 10-minute break from drifting from God's word, it'll take me months to dig myself out of a ditch. It don't take me long to digress. And the chances are it don't take you long either. There was a day, can you, can you just agree with me on this one point? There was a day, remember when you first got saved? Remember when you felt God ignited something in your life? When you first got saved, you were so on fire for God. I mean, I mean, you could swing out over hell on a corn stalk with a water pistol at the devil. I mean, you, you were just so bold and so on fire for God that nobody could talk you out of your faith. But what happens is, if you don't keep that fire stoked, if you don't keep that fire stirred, you start drifting. There was a day when all you listened to was good, wholesome Christian music. Now you're tied up in all these lyrics of all these songs that's put stuff in your head because you have drifted that's the way it was in the days of Noah and God said my spirit is not always going to strive with mankind I'm not trying to judge and bring bring the same kind of judgment to us because Noah was under the law we're under grace but what I'm saying is there are consequences to your decisions and God will hold everybody accountable to your decisions and, and so what happens is if you're not careful, you just, you just, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be before the Son of Man returns. Just like what was going on in Noah's day. Everybody was eating, drinking. Everybody was having a good time. Everybody was just celebrating. Everybody just going through life. But they were drifting, getting further and further and further away from God. And God said, my spirit will not always strive with man, And God put a, a, an expiration date on the planet. He put an expiration date on mankind. Up until that time, men were living, men, men and women were living to be hundreds of years old. They were living to be in 800 and 900 years old. And when God spoke to Noah about building the ark, he was 500 and something years old. And he said, my spirit's not always going to strive a man. He said, I'm going to give the earth 120 years. That's a long time for you to get your life right. But when you get so far removed from the things of God, you don't even know you're deceived. You just start pandering to the ways of the world. You just start clicking with the ways of the world. The the culture of the church mirrors the culture of the world. When the world should be looking at the church and saying, there's something different about them. There's something different about what they're going through and how they're handling it. They're, they, they, they lost loved ones. They've been through some fights. They've been through some struggles. But they ain't melting down. They're not falling apart. They're not coming unglued at the seams. There's something about them. They're able to stand in the midst of the adversity. They're able to stand and keep moving forward. They're able to keep trusting God when it don't make no sense. That's really what faith is, is when you learn to trust God when nothing around you makes sense, but you trust the nature. You trust the character and you trust the goodness of God. 
just keep putting one step in front of the other. And you don't do that through a ceremony. You don't do that. You don't do that through attending church. You do that through a lifestyle because grace is not just it's not just a doctrine. Grace is a person. It's Jesus Christ. When you have the author of the sonship living inside of your life, everything changes. Nothing is ever the same. I'm trying to tell you how do you survive in a failing culture? You got to make sure that you keep the author of this word alive on the inside of you. I think I said it in a prayer meeting a couple weeks ago. The Bible, maybe at church, I don't know. The Bible is the only book that you read where the author shows up. (laughs) That'd be really strange if you're reading somebody's book in your bathroom and the author just, hey. But this, because the Bible is alive. The Word of God is alive. The Word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. It's able to divide and pierce. It's able to separate. It's able to push you through the struggles of life. It's the power of God resident in words. Jesus said, my words are life and my words are eternal. Mm. So the purpose of the law was to make our sin obvious to give us the understanding of our need for a savior sin may have reigned in death that's in the previous verses of Romans that we read but through Christ we reign through righteousness Noah the Bible said we read it was a righteous man In fact, God said in Hebrews, I'm going to put him in the hall of faith. And he said, he's going to build a boat because he was a man of righteousness. Watch this, 2 Timothy, or Titus. Go to Titus, guys. Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2, verse number 11. It says, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to everybody. Notice that the grace of God has appeared. In the midst of the corruption, grace comes. In the midst of the chaos in our world, grace appears. Bringing salvation. Don't, Don't just get hung up on salvation as the repentance of your sins. That's first base. But salvation is the word where it brings total deliverance. It brings peace. It brings security. It brings deliverance. It brings breakthrough. Watch this. This is the next verse, verse number 12. The grace of God has appeared to all men, bringing salvation, instructing us to deny, oh, my Lord. It instructs us to deny ungodliness, watch, and worldly desires, and to live like you got some sense. Live like you got some sense and live righteously and godly. When? 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 In this present age. Somebody said, well, it's too hard. No, no. The word of God is eternal. So the word of God works in every generation. It worked in Noah's day. It worked in Moses' day. It'll work in your day. It works. So, So Noah found favor, found grace. Timothy, Paul told uh, Titus there, he said, he said here that it instructs us. 
to deny ungodliness. Now, I know we got a lot of hyper grace stuff going on in America. I'll tell you, that ain't God. Because grace ain't a license to sin. Grace is not a license to sin. I won't say it again because I only had like three amens. Grace teaches us to deny ungodliness. Grace is the empowerment to say no. How can you have a man living in a world that's so corrupted that God said there's no good anywhere? How can you have a man like that living in a world where there was no good anywhere, but he was still righteous? Because the grace of God, the favor of God, the power of God, the mercy of God, the working of God comes inside of an individual and he gives them power to say no to worldly desires, no to worldly lust, no to sin. I don't have to sin. I can if I want to. Yeah, God will forgive me. No, but you're playing with fire. You're playing Russian roulette with a loaded gun. You cannot keep treading on the promises of God and think that your, your life is going to get better. Yeah. I said, I should have waited one more week before I came back. <laughs> no, I'm telling you, you know, you know why, really, really, if, if, this was, if, if everybody was clicking, you'd be throwing chairs and babies right now. Because this is freedom. This is liberty. This, 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 this ain't like, like trying to push nobody down. When you understand that God's grace is more powerful than sin, when God's grace is more, when God's yes is more powerful than the devil's no, Woo, it makes me want to run to God. So here you have it. Trying to get there. Noah is the exception. Because the Bible says he walked with God. Watch this. Which is a picture. It's a prototype for every believer in their generation. God was saying through the channels of history. To every single believer after you know, to every person that comes after you know, if they will trust me, if they will walk with me, I will give them grace and I will give them favor no matter how bad it gets. No matter how tough life is, I will put grace on the inside of them. I will put an empowerment and enablement on the inside of them that no matter what the devil does, they will not have to bend their knee to a failing culture, but they can stand upright and trust me in every situation. Man, that's powerful. I'm telling you, that's powerful. That is so powerful. When you begin to think, that God will never leave this earth into hands of somebody who don't have more authority than he does. So you as a believer, now on this side of Calvary, you as a believer walking in the power in the realm of the Holy Spirit, when things come against your life, you can take your ground, you can stand your ground in the midst of every adversity, in the midst of every attack, and you don't have to give in to it. You don't, have to say, you don't have to say yes to any of the devil's stuff. You can walk through this life. It's not, it's not to say that you won't have tough times. It's not to say that you won't have difficult days. 
It's not to say that you only feel like at times you want to give up and throw in the towel. I told you I have to work out my salvation every day. I have to do it every day. I have to walk up, wake up every morning and look at myself in the mirror and say, today is going to be better than yesterday. And I'm just letting you know in advance. I don't care what the devil does. I don't care what the devil says. I don't care what happens come hell or high water. I'm going to put my trust in the Lord. God's grace is stronger than the enemy's power to pull me away. And you just do it. You just do it. You just do it. And you act like, I don't, I'm not saying the devil's not a threat, but I, the devil's not my issue. My issue is Chuck Pelham. My issue is not the devil. He has been once and forever defeated. He ain't having a comeback. <laughs> he ain't making the greatest comeback in history. He's defeated, it's done, it's over, and I just have to remind him of where he stands. But I have to look at myself every day and say, uh-uh, you ain't doing that. Uh-uh, you ain't going to act like that. Uh-uh, you ain't going to say that. <laughs> you ever felt a good cuss come on? <laughs> I mean, boy, it's like, I, and I, 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 was, I never cussed my whole life. I, I wouldn't raise cussing. I, I, you know, my, my, very seldom my mom could. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I was raised in the house. I mean, every now and then my dad would slip up when he'd get mad, but even my dad wouldn't, he wouldn't, even before he got saved, he wasn't a real strong cusser. Maybe he was before I was born, but I don't know about them days. But, but all that other stuff, it's like I just grew up, so a cuss was not, but I, 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 the other day, in fact, it was yesterday. I'm working on my truck, and my, my, truck's, my truck is in, is in therapy right now. It's, it needs a healing. My truck is an 08, and boy, I have run rough shot. I, 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 that truck has made, that, the only miles that truck has on it is the miles to the woods. And my truck is in rough shape, but, I, you know, I just keep doctoring it along. I just keep, now I'm working on my truck yesterday, and, and I got working on this thing, and then this thing messes up. Working on this thing, this thing's still messed up. Now this thing's messed up. It's like it's, like it's just, and, and, I, and I'm sitting there working on it, and, I'm, and it's hot, you know, and everything. And, and boy, I felt something come up, right? Like, like, I mean, I didn't say it, but I felt it. And, and I had that, where did that come from? I don't even think in cuss words. Now, I know some people can't have a sentence without two or three cuss words, but I don't even think that way. I, I have to think to cuss. But that thing almost came out. I'm like, where did that come from? And I'm just reminding you, I have to work out my salvation every single day. I got power over the devil. I got victory over the devil. But I got to learn how to bring my flesh into submission. Because if I don't, it will begin to walk away from God. You say, well, that ain't, that ain't no big deal. I cuss all the time. <laughs> I know. I'm trying to help you. So Noah is exceptional because he's a believer in a world gone crazy. How many, how many would just say, man, we're living in a crazy world? I mean, it's not just America. Pastor Carlos said Sri Lanka, Sri Lanka. That they, just, they, they just had an insurrection. You want to know what an insurrection looks like? That's what an insurrection looks like. I mean, they didn't just stormed the capital, they took it over. The whole world's jacked up. 
And here's the thing. It's probably not going to get better. But you will. You will be stronger. Ah. So in a culture that had totally rejected God, I, need, I won't have to close because it's already 10 till, and I'm not even where my points are yet. So if you're coming back next Sunday, we'll work it out. So in a culture that had totally rejected God and become so vile and demonically, you got to understand, every planned attack on not only our nation but around the world, every, all, these, all these things are demonically influenced. Man is demonically influenced apart from God. And the Bible says that, watch this, Noah was righteous. Noah was a blameless man. And Noah walked with God. Man, let that be our testimony. Righteous means he was a man of character. Righteous means he was in a right standing. He was a lawful man. He was a man of good conduct. And good character. I don't care. People can question me all day long. But one thing they'll never be able to question me on, so help me God if I can keep it right. They're never going to be able to question me on my conduct and my character. You may not like my antics. You may not like my decisions. You may not like the way I do a thing. But at the end of the day, you will not be able to question my conduct and my character. Now, that's a big statement, but I'm telling you, that can only happen through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit because grace is not just a doctrine. Grace is found in a person. Noah was righteous, lawful. He was a just man. In the New Testament, the word righteous means to be in a right standing with God. The Bible says he was blameless. In other words, he had some good integrity. He, he held to what, this is literally what that word means. He held to what was truth. Hmm. Imagine that in our society when people live by truth and not by the opinions of your friends on Facebook. When we live by truth and not, watch this, and not by preachers. In wolves' clothing, who have diluted the truth for the sake of sordid gain. Truth. The Bible says, and he walked with God, and the eyes of God was on him. In other words, Noah walked face to face with God. Boy, let that be my testimony. Let the eyes of the Lord be so close to me that I'm walking with God face to face. Here's the way it relates, and I'll close with this because we don't have time to knock it out today. The understanding in our day is this, with Noah's day, that it's possible to be surrounded by all kinds of evil and be in a culture where sin and darkness is prevalent. But you can be blameless, you can be righteous, and you can walk with God. You can do it. You can do it. There were others before you, and there will be others after you. Noah lived in the worst possible state that a world could ever become, and yet he was blameless. I'm telling you, 
This power on the inside of us is not just to get us to heaven. It's to empower us to work the works of God in the earth. That's why you ought to be praying in the Holy Ghost. That's why you ought to be praying in your prayer time. Face to face with God. The most important thing on the planet is not another car, another house, or better economy. The most important thing on the planet is the Holy Ghost. And as long as he is alive on the inside of me, manifesting the life of Christ in me, I don't care what the devil does. I I do care in the sense that I don't like it, but the devil cannot stop the progress of God in my life because my God is greater, my God is more powerful than anything that the devil could ever be do, do to me. Where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. So I, I, I'm, built, I'm built for persecution. Ooh. I'm built to outlast the enemy. I'm built to overcome. It's not because I'm all that. It's just that there comes a point in your life when you realize I didn't just get saved to go to heaven. I got saved to make a difference in the generation that I live. And I want to make sure everybody around me hears the truth of the power of God. Now, I I think about Noah a lot because the Bible says God put a sentence on the earth for 120 years, 120 years. His spirit's not always going to strive with man. He's going to put a sentence on the earth and judgment is coming. And for 120 years, Noah was building the ark. Whew. Somebody said, well, that ain't like our years. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. For 120 years, he's building the ark, and he had one sermon. It's going to rain. Going to rain. Judgment's coming. Going to rain. Going to rain. I get, I get encouraged by Noah because after 120 years of preaching, he could only get us Mo, Larry, and Curly. He could only get his three sons and their wives on board. After 120 years of preaching, but God said he's in the hall of faith. I get encouraged by that because sometimes I feel like I'm preaching my heart out. It's like, huh, ain't getting it. (laughs) Preach about being healed and walking in the power of God. Two days later, get a phone call. Hey, will you pray for me? (laughs) I'm trying to be nice. Sure, I'll pray for you. Where were you at Sunday? I know it's getting tight. I would, oh, Lord, I better not even go down that road. I won't even, I won't even dig myself out of that ditch. I can feel it now. I feel, I, feel like I feel a wall go up. That's all right. Come on, Noah, keep preaching. Because you know what? At the end of the day, what matters the most in my life, it, apart from the, the, the assignment, what matters the most is that my family gets on board that ark. At the end of the day, that my family gets on board that ship right there. At the end of the day, I want to make sure my children and my grandchildren and my great-grandchildren, whatever my lifespan is, I want them to know he didn't just lay down and die. He didn't just give it up. Boy, he had fire all the way to the last breath of his body. Because this, this is not a show. This is not a game. 
This is not what we do while, while we're young and we don't have nothing else to do. And this is not what we do when we're old because we don't have nothing else to do. No, this is life, baby. This is confrontation 101. This is taking the fight back into the devil's camp and say, loose my children, loose my family, loose my kids in the name of the Lord. That's what it is. That's what it is. You know, you know Ahab and Jezebel, I'm going to close with this right here for real. What, three closings, right, for real? Don back there saying, son, just land the plane. He's saying, son, just land the plane. You got your wheels down, your flaps are down, just land the plane. Ahab and Jezebel, according to Second, Second Kings, chapter 7, somewhere in there. It's on the right-hand side of the page, third paragraph down. Had 70 children and grandchildren. Ahab and Jezebel, 70 children and grandchildren combined. Ahab, who the Bible says there was no more king more wicked than Ahab. Partly because he married Jezebel. <laughs> Jezebel. Jezebel is still alive in the church today. And Jezebel is not just a woman thing. Jezebel's a spirit. But Ahab and Jezebel had 70 children and grandchildren. And the Bible says that every one of those generations were slaughtered. Every one of them. There's no trace, no genealogy of none of them. Obed-Edom had 70 children. He and his wife and grandchildren. And he brought the ark of the presence of God into his house. And he exposed his children and his grandchildren to the presence of God. And every one of his children and his grandchildren served the Lord in the house of the worship, in the, house, in the worship of God all the years of their life. There's something to be said when you get your family on board. There's something to be said when you expose your family to the truth of God's word. Because at the end of the day, I want my family worshiping God. I want my family serving God. That's why the battle's raging. That's why we're fighting like we're fighting. That's why we're contending like we're contending. Church is not optional. Church is the breeding grounds to stir me up, to let me know that I've got some authority. I got some power. And when I walk out of here, I'm going to demonstrate the power of the Holy Spirit. Oh, Lord, I feel like preaching and time is up. Come on, Pastor Porter, I better stop. Man, I feel like preaching. Living in a world full of chaos and twisted cultures and societies. And I'm afraid if the church is not careful, we become weaker rather than becoming stronger. And I'm saying that over this house not because I'm mad, not because I'm trying to be ugly, but because I love this house. And what I mean by this house, I'm not talking about a building. I'm talking about the people in it. My life is forever connected to the people in this house. And I'm fighting with you. Karen and I are standing with you. Believing God for you. And that's why we fight. That's why we, we don't let the enemy take authority over the things of God in our homes. Come on, Noah. Whew. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Noah didn't let nothing in his house. Can you imagine when his boys were running around? 
Then you, you can't hang out with them. Oh, they're okay. They're nice. But they're ungodly. See, there I went from just like two amens. Oh, it's okay. They're good people. I get it. I'm not, I'm not, trying, to, I'm not trying to put slant on them. I'm just saying there's a spirit attached to anything that's separated from God. And we act like it's okay, and it's not. You better guard that. You better watch over it. Because watch this. At the end of the day, God holds us responsible because God made it a point to let everybody know reading Scripture that Noah got his family on board. God was saying to Noah, Noah, I'm holding you responsible for what I gave you. You can't blame it on the world. The whole world's corrupt. <laughs> you, can't blame it on, you, can't, you, can't, you can't blame it on culture and society because everything's corrupted. Well, if I just lived in a better neighborhood. Well, if I just lived in a better city. No, the problem is you're there. Wherever you go, wherever you move, you're there. Well, if I could just get out of this city, my life would be better. No, the problem is you're there. The problem is not the city. The problem is not the culture. The problem is not the influence. The problem is you not taking your place in Christ. Woo! Oh, my Lord, I wish I had some amens right there. When you begin to take a firm stance and you just let the culture know, I'm not bowing down. I don't care if everybody on my block is shaking it, dropping it like it's hot. <laughs> I don't care if all my friends are twerking. <laughs> I'm trying to be nice. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> I, started, I, I saw a meme the other day, but I, I better not do that. I saw it. Some of y'all getting too old to be twerking. <laughs> you're going to throw something out, and then you're going to be months trying to recover. Noah was faithful, he was righteous, he was blameless, and he walked with God. He walked with God in his assignment, he walked with God in his consecration, and he walked with God in his devotion. Do you have a devotional life? I know you got a Facebook life. I know you got a social media life. I know you got a Netflix life. I know you got an ESPN life. You feel all that just draining? But do you have a devoted life? Do your children see you more on social media than they do in the Word? And, and we can use the argument, hopefully you do. Hope you say, well, all my, my Bible is on social media. Good. Hopefully they see you reading your Bible on social media. Hopefully. And not just going through everybody's, everybody's mess. Because that's really what social media is. It's a portrayal of something that's not totally real. I know they got reels and videos. I'm not saying, I'm not taking away from what, what some of that, that is true. But when you, got, when you got a 13-year-old girl trying to compare with herself with somebody on social media that's been glamorized, boy, that hurts her. 
And then she don't get reinforcement from home that she's beautiful. She's amazing. She starts comparing herself with that. That's not even real. That's fake. It's a devoted life. And I just want to submit to us today because we're living in a hostile culture. I got some good stuff. Boy, next week it'll maybe it'll be a little lighter since I got all the heaviness out of the way today. It'll be a little lighter. Maybe we can throw some babies and chairs around next week. Because I, I got some stuff coming, man. I'm telling you. Because I'm committed to see a generation rise in the midst of hostility. I'm committed to see a generation rise in the midst of the chaos and say, I ain't bending my knee to nothing but God. Amen. Come on, let's just stand our feet all over the building. I'm going to get to risk takers because that's what we are. We're risk takers. We're risk takers in a hostile culture. What do you mean, Pastor Chuck, by a risk taker? I mean where you're willing to lay it all on the line because nothing else matters but what God said. That's a risk taker. Just lay it all on the line. I'm putting it all out there. Don't have time to preach it today, but can you imagine how much criticism Noah must have taken for 120 years. Can you imagine the criticism he took by saying, hey, it's going to rain. God's judgment is coming, especially in the rain part because up until then, the earth had never rained. Rain had never fallen. It all came up from the, the, from the caverns of the deep. The water gave forth from the caverns of the deep, from the earth. That's how it rained. It never rained. So when God said, I'm going to make it rain, Noah even has, what is rain? Well, the skies are going to get heavy with moisture, and then it's going to drop. We're going to call it rain. So can you imagine telling your friends, hey, let's, make, let, let's, get, let's get this thing right because God's going to judge the earth, and you need to get on board this ark with me because it's going to rain. Noah, you lost your mind. You ever had people just look at you and say, you know what, I'm going to do what's right. You lost your mind. Yeah, that's exactly right. I've lost my mind in Christ, and I'm no longer that person. Because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Look at somebody next to you and tell them, hello, risk taker. Hello, risk taker. Come on, lift your hands all over the building. Father, this morning we thank you. Will you just make that your prayer today? Will you just say, God, here I am. I surrender it all. I surrender all that I am, and I surrender it to you. God, I thank you that you're teaching me to deny ungodliness and worldly desires and habits. Because where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. There's more grace operating in my life than what sin could ever put on my life. I may have failed, I may have blown it, I may have messed up. That may have been what I've done, but that is not who I am. Lord, I made some mistakes, I made some bad decisions, and I'm paying for it even with the consequences. I did what I did, but that is not who I am. Greater is he that is in me 
than he that is in the world. And Lord, I'm not going to live in my past and I'm not going to live in regret, but I'm going to live my life forward. I've lost some stuff. I've lost some family. I've lost some friends. I've got hurt. I've got pain. I've got scars. I've got unanswered questions. I got things in my life that don't make sense. I got relational issues. I got problems. But Father, at the end of the day, I am moving my life forward and I'm going to be a risk taker. I'm going to be a risk taker. I'm going to be a risk taker. My culture needs me. My family needs me. Whoo, come on, just make that prayer. Your culture needs you. Your family needs you. Lord, I, I know they need me. Lord, they're watching me. They're standing by and watching me. Lord, it's not a pressurized thing. It's just a lifestyle. It's just a lifestyle of who I am in Christ. Lord, I thank you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, just one time, throw your hands up and say, Lord, I surrender it all. God, I surrender it all. I surrender all that I am. I surrender my mind. I surrender my thoughts. I surrender my emotional realm. Lord, I surrender it today. God, take me. Take me as I am. Use me today, God. Use me to bring influence. Use me in my culture. Use me in my generation. Use me in my family. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, I feel something right there. Come on, I feel something right there. I believe God's just stirring our hearts. Something fresh. Something new. There's a movement of the Holy Ghost. Come on, it might be in the middle of the summer, but I am being, I am being empowered with faith. I'm being energized with power today. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Glory. Come on, take the next 30 seconds and pray over your family. God, we declare none will be lost. Lord, none will be lost. We're building something. We're building something for the generations to come. We're building something for our family. We're building something that will be a place of safety. It will be a net of safety. It will be the ark of safety. It will be the ark of salvation, the ark of breakthrough. Hallelujah. It's going to become the ark of deliverance. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we declare, we declare, we declare all over this building today, all over people's lives today. Lord, we take every thought captive. We bring it back to the obedience of Christ. Lord, my mind is not going to wonder Lord we're going to be like Noah we're going to find some grace we're going to find grace in the face of God we're going to find grace in the face of God and we thank you for it in Jesus name in Jesus name will you believe that this morning come on you believe that this morning